0: But hey, we do want you to join us uh, for Planted. Again, the goal is to read through the Bible together in 2021 and just thinking about what that can mean for us personally, but also what the Lord might want to do through our church in that. So download the Read Scripture app if you haven't already. Take some time over the next couple of weeks to get used to it. It's real easy to use. I've been following along with it. Not only will you find the daily readings in that app, but there are also several times a week different videos that explain different aspects of scripture along the way, I found it to be incredibly helpful because when you get to Leviticus and you're wondering what in the world is going on here there's a really great video that just kind of helps paint a picture of everything that the Lord is trying to accomplish in his people and through those words. so check it out uh, as we mentioned we've got a journal for you because we'd love for you to journal uh, with us throughout the year. pick one of these up on the way out today they're at, back at the info hub we've got a great handout here that'll explain a little more some of the different aspects of planted, grab one of those two, And uh, if you want to read out of your own Bible, there's also a paper copy of the daily Bible reading plan. Uh, you can pick that up at the info hub as well, but uh, it's going to be fun. We'd love to have everybody uh, do this with us in, in 2021. Again, we'll be preaching about some of these things along the way as well. Hey, welcome to all of you this morning. We are so glad that you're here. We love being able to worship with you in person and for all of those that are watching online as well. Again, Merry Christmas. Uh, we We are grateful for what the Lord's doing in our church and through our church family. So thank you for being a part of this with us today. I'm pretty sure that my wife, Jenny, had no idea what she was getting herself into uh, when she married me. Now, it may surprise you. Uh, I'm not perfect. I know you think your pastors are all perfect and all, but uh, let's just say this. I can be a little particular. I can be irritable. I'm easily annoyed. Uh, there are certainly a lot of things that Jenny couldn't have known about me. I mean, there are just things that you can't really know about someone until you've spent some time, you've lived with each other uh, for a little while, something else that Jenny didn't know or realize, and that is that she had no idea what she was getting into when she married a pastor, all right, and not that I did in becoming one, but certainly she didn't know what she had signed up for and I don't get me wrong, we love serving together. Uh, we love doing ministry together we've served at three amazing churches over the last twenty years uh, we've watched God do some amazing things in our lives and in our family and certainly in our church family, especially here at Genesis. And we wouldn't trade it. I mean, we wouldn't trade any of it. And even now, this is our home, and this is our church family, and we love being a part of it. But little did Jenny realize uh, that marrying a pastor, you know, who was going to spend full time in vocational ministry meant things like 48 weeks out of the year, you know, we were going to be in church, you know. I mean, it was just what you do week after week. Little did she realize that for many of those years, she'd be getting kids up on her own every single Sunday morning. Trying to get them out the door and to church And not attending just one service But usually two services And also volunteering and serving a lot along the way Little did she realize that marrying a pastor Meant sitting by herself in the auditorium Week after week and listening to me preach Over and over again Listening to all of my stories and so-called jokes And uh, thankfully we're able to laugh about a lot of these things today Which I think is a good sign that we're going to make it All right, we're going to make it through through, but there are other parts of ministry that are just a different kind of hard. Uh, things that you don't really ever get used to, like going through a tragedy. Uh, or going through a crisis with close friends, or with your church family. I mean, we we've done that. Many of you have done that. Uh, you know that it, it it's hard. You never get used to that. There's the there's the pain of watching people leave your church, uh, people that you've invested in, people that you've gotten to know over the years, and so watching them walk away that that's not easy. You never get used to that. And and then this past year, all right, 2020 has been a doozy for all of us. All right, in all sorts of different ways. Uh, we've all had moments where we've wondered where what's up to where is he in all of this what's he what's he trying to say and and I know that you know this and this isn't just true of pastors but one of the things that we've realized and maybe you've realized too is that following Jesus can be hard uh, following Jesus isn't always easy. Um, it, it's complicated at times. There, There is a, a personal price that you pay with your life in, in choosing to follow Jesus each day. Pastor J.D. Greer says it like this. He says, following Jesus ushers you into a life that is simultaneously the most joyful and the most difficult on earth all at the same time. And if you think about it, if you think about some of the things that Jesus said along the way, well, I guess it shouldn't be surprised because in John chapter 10, verse 10, it was Jesus that said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, that there are good things, you know, that, that surrendering your life to Christ and, and walking with Jesus, there are so many blessings. There are so many things that he wants to do in each of us and in abundance. And so that's true. This is a promise for us and we'll all sign up for that, right? I mean, we're all in it for that. We love these things but it's also this it's Matthew 16 24 when Jesus told his disciples oh by the way if anyone would come after me let him deny himself or herself and take up his cross and follow me and so there's the promise of life and abundance and joy for those who follow Jesus but there's also this requirement that we take up our cross and follow Jesus I don't know what image comes to your mind when you think about the cross. I mean, we wear crosses around our necks today. We hang crosses in our homes. But 2,000 years ago, the cross was a symbol of torture. It was a symbol of, of death, of, of oppression. Uh, and the Romans used the cross to inflict terror on people and so to say that Jesus offers abundant life to those who follow him but that it also means taking up your cross and denying yourself at the very same time seems like an incredible contradiction doesn't it but maybe today And here's what I hope, and and maybe this is possible, and maybe this is part of the reason why God has you here or why He has you watching online today is to know this, to hear these words, and maybe find some encouragement in knowing that you're not alone. It's these words that following Jesus is hard. It can be hard it can be difficult and challenging. Uh, following Jesus requires great faith. Following Jesus requires great sacrifice. It's, it's painful at times, it's difficult at times, but it's worth it. It is so worth it. It is worth the cost it is worth the sacrifice. I promise you that there is no better way. There is no other life worth giving your life for than to follow Jesus Christ and to follow him wholeheartedly in this world and especially right now. And my prayer for you today is this. My prayer for all of us is that even if it's been hard for you, uh, even if it's been a struggle, even if you find it to, to, to be frustrating that God might use this story, that he might use our time together today in worship, this teaching, we're going to share a communion together and just a little bit that he might use some of this or all of this as a way of encouraging you as a way of reminding you that he loves you that he is here for you and that you are not alone. We're going to look at the Christmas story again today and I want to look at the Christmas story from Joseph's Perspective, because Joseph shows us how how difficult it can be to follow Jesus, but at the same time, Joseph, even Joseph, is going to help us see the motivation behind doing it. And so Matthew chapter 1, if you have a Bible, if you'd like to follow along with us today, uh, we're in week 2 of this series called Unexpected Christmas. And last week, we discovered how Matthew begins his account of the birth of Jesus in an unexpected way as he starts with this long and what looks like pointless genealogy leading up to Jesus. But as Jerry explained last week, this genealogy is more than a bunch of names. Matthew's genealogy helps us see that the story of Jesus is true, that he is accomplishing things through his people and for his purposes. And the good news of Jesus Christ is that it is for all people, that God's good news of Jesus is for every person. And so this morning, We're going to pick up where we left off last week in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and we're going to focus on a man named Joseph. That is Jesus' earthly father. Let's read these words together. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Matthew describes it this way Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, you might have noticed that word betrothal. That's not a word that we typically use uh, in our culture today. What is it? Well, it's the Jewish custom that was also known as Kedushan. And it worked this way. A young man and his fiance would get legally married. All right, but then they had to wait a year before they were allowed to live with or to sleep. Together. And one of the reasons for this custom was to make sure that the girl, that the bride was pure. Now, in those days, marriages were arranged, all right? Arranged between the parents. Again, meaning your parents got to choose, which is one reason that I'm glad that I didn't live back then because I'm not sure who my parents might have chosen for me. You know, it makes me a little afraid to think about. But when you chose a wife for your son, okay, when you chose a wife for your son, you'd pay this huge bride price. To the bride's family. Now, this part would actually be nice because I got a daughter that I hope gets married one day, and I don't know how some of you afford weddings today. All right, and so uh, that would actually kind of work out nice if it could. But, anyways, all right, the the parents would pay this price to make sure that the girl was pure, and, and so they required a year of waiting, the betrothal, before the bride and groom again could live or sleep together to make sure that she wasn't pregnant by someone else. And after a year, the couple would then come together, they would live with one another, and they would consummate their marriage. Here's what's interesting about the betrothal. Even though you didn't live together, all right, in every other way, you are considered married. That means to get out of the arrangement, you actually had to get a divorce, Recognize the tension here, all right? The, the tension, the implications are important to this particular story because Mary discovers she's pregnant. She hasn't been intimate with Joseph yet or any man for that matter. And because they were betrothed, the only way for Joseph to get out was to divorce her. Stop there for a second and imagine how devastating this news must have been for Joseph, all right? Some of you know how painful it is. You've been through some tough, difficult news before in relationships or in your marriage. And not only the pain of her unfaithfulness, but like this is going to be humiliating for him as well. And of course, Joseph didn't believe her at first. I mean, who would? And because he had legal rights, he could divorce Mary publicly and then have her shame for what has happened. In fact, the law stated that Joseph could have had Mary stoned for her, for for stone to death, for violating uh, their betrothal, but he's not going to do that. And according to the text, Joseph makes plans to divorce her quietly. Let's pick it up in verse 20. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not. Hang on to those words. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus you know there are so many questions about the Christmas story and the more time you spend around it all right if you open yourself up to this there are so many questions all right to be asked about this story and that's really kind of the point of this series is to ask some of those questions some of the unexpected events that we see I got to thinking about this question this past week why this way like like, why, God? Like, uh, of all the ways, I mean, of all of the events to be orchestrated, the people to be involved, like, why choose something so complicated? Like, why choose something so controversial? I mean, it's going to raise all sorts of questions and create so much heartache and inconvenience for Joseph and for Mary, for their parents. I mean, it's going to ruin Joseph and Mary's reputation, I mean, forever. And, and when Joseph did marry her, I mean, it's like he's confessing that the baby is actually his. And so why did God choose to accomplish his purposes for Jesus this way? There are so many reasons for sure, all right? But how about this one? The way that these events unfold reveal to us that following Jesus isn't this uh, walk in the park, I think, that so often we want and desire. I mean, I think it reminds us that it's hard That sometimes God's ways are are confusing, and certainly this is going to require, all of these events are going to require a lot of Mary. But today, I want to examine what they mean for Joseph. And for Joseph, like living out his part in God's story, what all did that require? Well, I'll tell you the first thing it required. For Joseph, it required faith and a whole bunch of it. I mean, it's going to take a, it's going to require a lot of faith for him. By 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 taking Mary as his wife, Joseph was choosing to believe the impossible and all to accept all of the risks that were associated with it. Now, the dream helped, all right? The dream helped for sure, right? I mean, what a dream, you know, that must have been. I, I don't know about you. I don't, I don't know what went through Joseph's mind when he woke up that next morning. Like, you know, what, like just, what just happened? Like, I shouldn't have eaten the pizza, you know, so late. I mean, the older you get, right? I mean, you don't eat so late because it's just gonna, it's gonna mess with your night, all right? You're gonna dream about some crazy things. We don't know all the details, but what we do know is that Joseph woke up He put his faith in the words that the angel spoke to him. And the text says that he went and did exactly what was commanded of him. You know, one of the things that I admire about uh, many of our outreach partners ministry partners that we support here as a church is their stories and their faith, if the faith behind everything they do. You know, we've we've got some great partners that we support. I think about a couple of those. I think about people like Esperando and Deanne Pierre serving with Nehemiah Vision Ministries in Haiti. And some of you have gone down there with us or you've met the Pierre's, you've served with them. I'm always supercharged, you know, after spending time with them, being around them because they serve in a tough place. Uh, they serve some really tough conditions and they could move somewhere else. They could probably, probably, Probably moved to the states, but God called them. He's called them to Haiti, and so every day they keep serving the people of Haiti, living by faith. Uh, I think about missionaries that our church supports, people like David and Carrie Hartman, uh, who serve in Central Asia, and they're Purdue grads, big families here in the states. They've got all the skills and gifts that they need to do anything they want with their lives. But God called them. He's called them to serve in Central Asia, where they live in a predominantly Muslim culture today. And I remember when they first accepted that call to go to Central Asia. It's been seven, eight years ago. They shared in one of our services here at Genesis, we were interviewing them. And one of the questions was, why? Like, why would you leave your family and friends and so move so far away to live in an area that, that has a history of some hostility towards Christians? And I'll never forget Carrie's words. She said, because Jesus is worth it. He is worth it to me he is worth it to our family and he is worth it to those that we are going to share him with they're living by faith and it may not seem much compared to uh, the Pierre's or the Hartman's, but many of you took a huge step of faith with us uh, last spring and making commitments, financial resources uh, to our greater initiative, our financial giving initiative that we call greater. And, and if you remember, we've got three main priorities with greater. We want to make disciples. All right. We want to reach our cities and we want to change the world in greater ways to help even more people find their way back to God. and And, and so many of you made huge sacrifices with us. And uh, it's financial commitments to a two-year goal at the start of the pandemic, if you remember. I mean, the timing couldn't have been better uh, for a greater. But the reason you did so, the reason you did so for so many of you is just like Carrie, because you believe Jesus is worth it. He's worth the sacrifice. You're choosing to live by faith and to sacrifice. See, like we see with Joseph, following Jesus requires a whole bunch of faith. I mean, it it requires faith to send your kids to school right now. It's required faith for some of you to keep your kids at home, all right, and to do that teaching and training from home. It it takes faith to give, uh, to establish a discipline like that in your life, and to give and to give generously. It takes faith to forgive someone, uh, not knowing what they'll do with it. It takes faith to share Jesus with a family member, uh, it takes faith to surrender your business, all right? Maybe you've got a business and you've said, you know, I, I want this business to serve the Lord. And so you're doing some things that are different, uh, uncommon, you know, for typical business owners. It takes faith to do that. It takes faith to get the vaccine. Faith every single day. There, that, that's what Joseph is facing. He's learning that following Jesus requires faith in this world. Here, here's something else. Uh, All of this is going to cost Joseph uh, in following Jesus, uh, not only his faith, but also his reputation. Uh, And again, the laws in this culture could be extremely harsh. Uh, Joseph could have had Mary put to death for what happened. I mean, who was going to believe her story? In this particular culture, women had little to no rights. And so everyone is going to be thinking that she's been unfaithful to Joseph. And so all the power is in his hands. He's got every right to walk away to start a new relationship with someone else. But verse 19, Matthew records that her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. I find it interesting that he's described as a just Man, because the just thing, at least from what we know about this particular civilization, the just thing would be to punish Mary for her unfaithfulness. It's interesting if you think about it, fast forward. A number of years. You find Jesus in the middle of a, of a similar situation. There's a woman that's caught in adultery. A group of local leaders have come together. They've got rocks and they're going to stone her. They're going to execute her for what she's done. But here comes Jesus. He steps into the middle of the scene and comes alongside of this woman. And what does Jesus say? He says, whoever hasn't sinned can go ahead and throw the first stone. And in that moment, you can almost hear the sound of the rocks dropping to the ground as one by one, each of these men walks away. Uh, One of our pastors, Ben, and I were talking about this particular instance this past week. He brought up an interesting point. He asked this, is there any chance that as Jesus stood there with that woman on that day, he thought about his dad and Joseph and putting his reputation on the line and how he responded to the news about his mom to Mary Joseph didn't want to disgrace or punish her. Instead, he was going to divorce her quietly. But now, the angel of the Lord has confirmed Mary's story to Joseph in a dream and commanded him, take her as your wife. And that's going to require some faith. I mean, it is. But it's also going to put Mary and Joseph's reputation on the line too. No one's going to believe them. Uh, From what we can tell, their reputation would forever be tied to an illegitimate child. And in the same way, if you're gonna follow Jesus in this world, if you're gonna follow him wholeheartedly, if you're gonna make radical changes in your life to honor the Lord in everything that you do, it's probably gonna take a toll on your reputation. Uh, There are gonna be people who are gonna shame you, ridicule you, and mock you, but the good news is that if you've endured any of that in your life, you're not alone. That even people like Joseph endured questions and gossip and so you and I think we can expect it. We can expect it if we're going to follow Jesus. Here's something else that following Jesus required of Joseph, and that is some obedience. Uh, it's going to require obedience. And verse 25, if you remember from a moment ago, says he did not yet know her. And if you get behind that word no, there's a whole lot more information there because it tells us that Joseph didn't know Mary until after was Jesus was born. Again, it's an important word that shows us that not only did Joseph wait a year uh, for Mary during the betrothal, but that he's going to wait even longer until after Mary gave birth to be intimate with her. Now, that must have taken an incredible amount of self-control, more self-control than I ever had. I tried to talk Jenny into having our reception before the wedding so that we could just share our vows and get on with the honeymoon, all right? But seriously, we live in a society today with virtually no rules, no boundaries, no waiting when it comes to things like sexual intimacy. And one of the things that we believe and teach here at Genesis is that sexual intercourse, according to the Lord, is intended for one man and one woman within the covenant of marriage and that any sexual activity outside of this covenant is sin. And with that in mind, you know, I I just love to say to our students that are here today and maybe even those students that are watching right now, I want to encourage you to reserve sexual intimacy for your spouse one day, and I know that that's an unpopular choice uh, in school or on your campus today. But I'm telling you that it is worth the wait. For those of you that are single, I, I know that it's hard to wait, and you may feel like you're messing, missing out on what the rest of the world is enjoying. But saving sexual intimacy for your spouse spouse is worth waiting for. And even if you remain single for the rest of your life, obedience to God, I can promise you, is more important and more rewarding than compromising his plans, his desires for you. Uh, Some of you might be living with someone right now who is not your spouse or sexually active in a dating relationship. I just want you to know that God has something better for you. And sexual intimacy is a wonderful gift, a sacred gift meant to be enjoyed by husband and wife in a marriage. And I'll just say that you're going to want God in your marriage one day. And so why not invite him to be a part of your dating relationship or your engagement right now? Obedience isn't always easy. All right, it's not always easy, but the more we choose obedience, the more we're going to experience the power and the blessings of God in our lives. Joseph had to say no to his needs, temporary no to his needs in order to say yes to fully following God in this world. Every day is an opportunity for us to choose to obey God and to know his word. That's why this planted series is gonna be so important for us because in a world you know, full of so many messages right now of choosing your own way, you find your own way through whatever works best for you. We believe that there is a way, there is a better way marked out for us from the Lord. And so we wanna know his will and we wanna know his plans uh, for each and every one of us. Finally, it's this, following Jesus is also going to require some inconvenience. You know, this pregnancy was incredibly inconvenient for Joseph and Mary. It messed up their relationships. It's going to take a toll on them financially. They're going to have to escape to Egypt in order to save their lives. Once again, it reminds us that following Jesus isn't always easy. It's not always convenient. In much the same way, volunteering, volunteering and something like Gen Kids—that's that's not always convenient. You know, giving isn't always convenient. Making time for your small group, especially in the busy culture that we live in today, isn't always convenient. Fostering and adoption isn't convenient. Uh, Loving people through their struggles isn't convenient. Uh, Worshiping together with your church family, whether in person or online, week after week isn't always convenient. Wearing a mask isn't convenient and it wasn't convenient for Joseph either. I mean, he could have walked away. He could have said, no, thank you to all of this. I'll choose something else. But Joseph was willing to pay a price with his faith, with his reputation, with his obedience, even with his inconvenience, all for the sake of following Jesus. And I don't know about you, but as I look at his life and the little bit that we know about him and his faithfulness and his strength, like you can't help but look at him and wonder, where did that kind of strength come from? Like, where, where did he find the guts, all right? Where did he find the faith to live this out? Like, what in the world made all of the difference for Joseph? Like, how do you get a little of what he had going on in him, you know, in me, into us so that we can live like he lives, so we can get through what we're going through? Can I tell you where Joseph found the strength to follow Jesus that way? I think the message is wrapped up into two words, pure joy. I think that strength and that motivation was found in pure joy. Let me help you understand a little bit of what I mean by that. Go back to Matthew 1.23 again for the moment. Look at the message that the angel communicated to Joseph. We read, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God, With us. Now, I want you to see the word behold here because the word behold is an important word. It comes from the Greek word adieu. It's basically like this. It's basically like the angel is going, Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a second. Before you make any decisions, you need to see and understand what is happening here. Look at this, all right? Look at this because when you look at this, Joseph, you're going to find the strength. And the faith that you need to do exactly what God is asking you to do. Because what is God asking you to do? Again, look at the message. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now let me quickly give you a little background behind these words, all right? This is a prophecy originally recorded in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, and it's a message of hope that God gave to a former king known as King Ahaz. God's going to use these words to encourage King Ahaz and to promise him that he was not going to allow the approaching enemy to conquer the nation. And wouldn't you know it, there was a birth in the family around the same time, God was good at his word. He protected King Ahaz and the people just as he promised. I skipped over a whole bunch of details just to get to the point that the point is that these words were originally spoken hundreds of years before, before Jesus and before Joseph. And for 700 years, this prophecy just kind of hung out there. And people wondered about it. It was a little mysterious. But now Matthew in verse 22 connects the message given to Joseph to this Old Testament prophecy by basically saying this. Joseph, the prophecy was true for King Ahaz, but even more now. Joseph, there's a child coming into this world. He's going to be born through a virgin. His name is Emmanuel, and guess what? He is going to deliver Israel and will fulfill the promises made to Abraham hundreds of years before. And in that moment, and in ways that I certainly, we certainly can't comprehend, Joseph's eyes, I believe, were opened to what was really happening. And can you imagine the joy Joseph Joseph must have felt in knowing that God, the creator of all things, was finally sending his long-awaited Savior into the world. And guess what, Joseph? Through Mary's belly. And can you imagine the joy Joseph experienced in knowing that help was on the way and that God had chosen you, yes, you, Joseph, to love and to care for this woman, And eventually this young boy who would grow up as the Savior, our Savior of this world. Matthew highlights two names for this child. In verse 21, we see that he calls him Jesus. That word means God saves. And Emmanuel, which means God with us. Those those words provide a picture, a reminder for us and for Joseph of who this baby is and what he came to do. We know that Jesus came to save us. That's the good news of Christmas that Jesus Christ came to save us, that he came to save us from our sins. And why is that so important? Because you and I, we can't save ourselves. There is nothing in us that is good apart from God. You and I aren't capable of living a perfectly obedient life. Only Jesus can do that. And it was Jesus that lived life the way life was meant to be lived. And he went and he, he died a death that we deserve to die, that I deserve to die when he gave his life on the cross. And it's by his death and by his resurrection that we can be made whole, that we can find life in him. But he also came to be with us too. And one of the most important parts of, of theology is that Jesus was both fully God and he was fully man at the very same time. And so the scriptures remind us that he experienced all of the same things that we experience, all of the, the pain and suffering that you and I will ever experience in this world. And that just means for us that, that no matter what we're going through, no matter what you're going through, Jesus gets it. He understands. He's been through these difficulties and trials, and he has all of the help that we need. He, he is the perfect example of what it means to live for and to trust God in this world. And what kind of God would do that? What kind of God would send his son into this dark world to die for many. What, what kind of God would ask Mary and Joseph to endure the things that they endured? It's a God that loves you like crazy. It's a God that loves you and me in ways like we could never possibly understand. I mean, the Bible says that you and I can't fully comprehend the depths of his love, but he loves you. He loves you and he cares about you. And his grace is good and his forgiveness is available to each of us no matter what we've done, no matter the mess that we've made of our lives. And what Joseph couldn't know was that everything that God was asking of him, Jesus would do in a, in a better, uh, perfect way. I mean, like Joseph, Jesus lived a life of faith every single day. I mean, Joseph wasn't perfect, but Jesus was perfect all the way to the cross. And Jesus' reputation would be put into question over and over again. And, and no matter the challenges, no matter the pressures that he faced, no matter the situation that he found himself in, Jesus each and every time would choose the way of obedience. And you could say that, that Jesus endured plenty of inconveniences, but each provided him another opportunity to serve and to lay down his life on the cross. And how did Jesus do that? I mean, like Joseph, like where did these men find the motivation to live that way? We read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Like Joseph, It was the joy, the joy for Jesus of knowing that with his life that the price was worth it. And so he gave his life. He gave his life for you, and he gave his life for me. And Joseph, Joseph discovered the joy when he realized who the baby was and all of the implications of the baby, the Savior that was coming into the world. Following Jesus is hard. It can be very challenging. It's confusing. 2020 has shown us that it can be frightening, but it is worth it. Following Jesus is worth it. And I want you to know today that no matter what your life looks like right now, Christmas, this Christmas is a reminder that Jesus came, that he is here that we have life and hope through him, that he knows the way through and that he has everything you need. Genesis, I don't know what it is that you're going through right now. Maybe you'd say you're okay. Some of you would say, you know what, I'm running on empty. And I know this Christmas might not look anything like last year. It might not look anything like a Christmas you've ever experienced before. But don't forget this. Christmas reminds us that joy came down that joy is here, that joy has his name. His name is Jesus Christ, and our joy and your joy to do what God might call us to do is found in him. Let's pray. God, we praise you and we thank you that Christmas, even in 2020, reminds us that you are good, that you are faithful that you have given us a savior who is full of life and hope and reminds us that there is a way through, that we do have a purpose in this world and that all of our purpose, all of our hope is found in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in your son. And Father, I pray that today, that over these next few days, that if we've been lacking if we've had a hard time getting our minds around uh, Christmas, if uh, there has been no joy, if our our faith has been lacking, I pray that in some way and that through your power, we might look to you, we might look to Jesus and be reminded of everything, all of the hope that we have in him, that you will give us all of the strength that we need to live for you and to live for you faithfully in this world. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.